0: You are listening
1: to the Regent College Podcast.
2: Hi, I'm Nick Corbin.
1: And I'm Claire Perini.
2: And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast.
1: Friends, uh, today we're inviting you to listen in on a conversation that we had with Sheila Wise-Rowe, who has a master's degree in counselling, and she's the executive director of Rehoboth House, which is an international healing and reconciliation ministry. And Sheila's written a a new book about healing from racial trauma, and it's called Healing Racial Trauma, The Road to Resilience, and it was uh, published by... IVP. So we had a conversation with Sheila around some of the, the ideas that she, she raises and outlines in her book around her own experience of racial trauma and her own understanding of how that then um, impacts people and has kind of impacted the work that she's doing as a counsellor and how she understands how that interacts with faith uh, and and the church and, and all of those things. So um, it's a it's 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 a really good conversation it might be if this is not something that's familiar to you it might be a confronting conversation if you if you've not engaged with some of um, these realities before but it's a really important conversation for us uh, mm-hmm. to be listening into and to be engaging in
2: yeah and the reality is that racial trauma has been around for a long time mm. uh, ever since there's been racism really somewhat the dawn of man but it's just kind of been acknowledged mm. you know in this in this cultural moment. And so Sheila has been really helpful to shed light on that and yeah, shed light on the, on the reality that many, many people experience black and brown and indigenous people experience. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, so it was a wonderful conversation. Yeah. And like you said, Clara, confronting conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. So friends listening on our conversation with Sheila Wise Road. Sheila, welcome to the Regent College podcast. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're really, we're really excited to have a conversation with you, and and about a topic that's 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 hard and painful. And so we're just grateful for your willingness to to chat with us, just honestly, mm-hmm. uh, um, about your experiences as a counsellor in particular, and in this uh, specifically in this area of racial trauma. But do you want to tell us a little bit um, about how you your your own story and how you came to counselling, and specifically in this area of racial
0: trauma? Yeah. Um, so I was, let's say, bust as a child. And I, I could unpack a lot of this in my book, Healing Racial Trauma, mm-hmm. Road to Resilience. Mm-hmm. But I, I talk about those early experiences of being plucked out of my community and, and going to an all-white community and school and just the things that I face every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was around just the teachers and the ways in which they treated not only me, but the other black kids who had been bussed. It was a special program called Operation Exodus. And it was um, the community was able to discover that there was a ordinance that if there was a vacant seat anywhere in any of the neighborhoods in Boston, that a student could have that space. So mm-hmm. they were able to raise funds, get buses. It was a small number that went to the particular school I was in. Mm. about 20 of us and we're different grades. And, um, but universally we were all treated in various ways where, mm. you know, our intellect was, was in question. I was accused of cheating. I was accused mm. of, um, tripping a kid. I was, my sister was accused of, um, things and literally had her mouth washed out with soap. Um, mm.
2: Mm.
0: There were things that were said just in terms of our, um, just questioning whether, you know, what is our future ultimately? Like, do, could mm-hmm. we, our aspirations, um, were they obtainable? You know, whether it, my sister wanted to be a teacher and she was told flat out, that's not gonna happen. Um, and so those kinds of experiences really kind of set the, the stage for mm-hmm. me in terms of having a lot of insecurities about mm-hmm. um, myself, about academically um, and just, you know, how how to navigate through life as a Black girl. Mm. And, as a mm. and I didn't become a Christian until I was in my 20s after college. So right mm. after college, um, became a, a Christian. And that actually was the beginning of like a process for me of mm. pursuing healing. Mm. Um, mm. I had majored in sociology and psychology. And my first job out of the gate was working as a social worker for What was then the the Department of Social Services. So a lot of it was around working with child children at risk. And um, I worked with the Child Abuse Hotline. And so, but in the context of those spaces, I also saw where um, it was clear that there were the systemic racism would rear its head in terms of um, people and and parents, um, Mm -hmm. black and brown parents, particularly, and how they were treated as they went through that system. And at the time I didn't quite know what to do with it I thought okay my my role really is to say the things to the parents and encourage the parents and get them access to services whereas they have just been hopeless to everyone else so I did that and then I burnt out because it was just Mm -hmm. too much and um and so that was kind of like my first um kind of coming confronting that experience Um, um I went on to work in lots of different settings, secular settings, Christian settings mm. um, in the church um, and working with individuals and, you know, Black, uh, Indigenous, other folk of color that often issues around racism and racial trauma would surface. Mm. And, um, and so that was the beginning of that. And we're talking like in the late 80s, 90s. So mm. it was any of this yeah. conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Trauma conversation is a relatively new one. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's increasingly more research on it, but it's right. still pretty new. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so that's kind of how I got to that place of, of looking at it and looking at my own life and just yeah. being in therapy and working through my own stuff with, mm-hmm. with schooling, also stuff with my father, and just, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that whole process. Yeah. Right was, was healing. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that Sheila. And, and like you said, this racial trauma, it's, I mean, it's been a reality for a while, but it's kind of a new, almost acknowledgement um, and somewhat definition to it, to naming people's reality. So can you uh, just kind of touch on what exactly is racial trauma and then how is it maybe different or similar to uh, trauma in general?
0: yeah so racial trauma is a result of racism, um, and it mm-hmm. shows itself in many different forms. Um, and it I think it's people don't understand it. It's more than just, oh, like I hate black people mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. brown people that's that's a part of it. But because of the ways in which we are confronting it on a interpersonal level, it's just we experience racism systemically in yes. systems mm-hmm. in terms of medical care, mm-hmm. educationally, I talked about that. Um, yeah. Just if you think about all of the major systems, housing, mm-hmm. who gets to live where, mm-hmm. um, all of those uh, places that we experience racism um, has a damaging effect. On mm-hmm. us. Whether we're aware of it or not, it does damage. And uh, one of the things that the definition around trauma, and you talked about what's the difference between the, is that it, trauma in general can be described as big they're big t traumas and yeah. small t traumas yeah yeah so you know the big t traumas are really the dramatic like a death that could be that's a big t trauma mm-hmm. and then the little t traumas are are there's traumatic things that happen but they're not as uh not as huge mm-hmm. um and what they found is that the little t traumas like an, enough little t traumas actually can cause more damage than a one big Yeah, event. Yeah. Think about racial trauma. It's that we're experiencing it on these traumas, on like it is happening interpersonally, but it happens vicariously. It happens through microaggressions, as I said, systemic. So we're experiencing all of those, and they can be little incidents that seem Mm. like, why do we care? What's the big deal? And I think that's part of the misunderstanding is that Mm -hmm. people can look at situations where someone is being pulled over by a police officer and they think, so what?
2: Mm.
0: Um, but the reality is, if you think in many of these cases, they have been pulled over by police officers, not just like one or two times. In some cases, it's like hundreds of times. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that creates a response and our bodies respond by fight or flight. Like we, they, we see things as a threat mm-hmm. and we've got to we don't, if we don't deal with it um, with that threat, what ends up happening and we don't deal with that big T trauma or little T trauma. It's, it affects our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we start to see symptoms that are very similar to PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, we're having difficulty sleeping. We're having problems with concentration. There are issues around shame. There's, um, anxiety, there's fear. Uh, we start to see it in our bodies with, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're seeing a lot of this the comorbidities with COVID 19. A lot mm-hmm. of that is this kind of what they call weathering effect that if you're carrying stress for so long, it starts to affect our organs. Yeah. And, a weird, and so it's kind of sets us up for even further health issues. Yeah. Um, and so we're experiencing all of these things heart disease, we're experiencing you know, pessimism, nightmares, all these yeah, yeah. come up. And so those are symptoms of racial trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so then we have to figure out, like, how do we deal with it? And typically um, we don't have, we've not had a lot of resources to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. counseling hasn't been readily available. Mm-hmm. Um, we've managed as, as best as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us have fared better than others, but for the most part, um, historically it's just been like we need to shove this down because yeah. we need to keep moving. Right. And um, and so until you get to a point where something happens and yeah. whether it's a grief reaction or a rage um, and then we have to deal with it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah thanks for thanks for sort of mapping that. That's that kind of the little tree T trauma and the big T trauma and just seeing how those things relate then to, mm-hmm. to racial trauma as you're saying with the, the sort of the constant over, over periods of time you sort of you mentioned this this whole idea of vicarious trauma or secondary trauma, do you want to t- t- just give us unpack that idea for us what and what's the impact of that is it does it is it impact in the same way or does it present differently
0: how does that yeah, yeah it, 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 it it impacts us differently, but it, yeah. the feeling can be the same right right so as we're watching someone you know those who watch the the murder of George Floyd, it was, it was live. And, and if you had a past experience that was an encounter with a police officer, it could easily trigger mm. that kind of vicarious, that trauma, even mm. though it's not you who's experiencing this, yeah. but it feels like it. And if you are a, you know, a black person as mm. myself as a black mother watching that, and I think, okay, that could be my son, that could be my husband. Um, and there's a, there's a vicarious trauma that is a consequence of that of, of witnessing that. And so, you know, we spent a lot of 2020, there was just one thing after the other yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah. and it was pretty relentless. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's helpful. Do you, do you at all have thoughts as well on top of, you know, secondary and, and vicarious trauma that there's also intergenerational trauma that, that comes into play here? Do you, have you looked in, I guess, to that or ex- experienced that? Or what is, what is that reality?
0: Well, there are, there are two ways in which there's this thought that um, racial trauma has passed through generations. And one is the study of epigenetics, which talks about just that these trauma experiences from our ancestors, like the, that has uh, somehow encoded in ourselves like that we carry that trauma yeah a lot of this research was done with jewish um survivors of the holocaust yeah and um and just that how some of the children of survivors were experiencing things that they shouldn't be experiencing right and so but they've there's this thought that it's two things possibly it's an epigenetic thing Mm. um or it's also passed down because people are sharing stories. And so is there a part of it that is is also kind of like vicarious trauma? Yeah, they're, they're they're hearing that and then right. kind of setting the stage for them having these trauma responses mm-hmm. or being triggered by certain things. Right,
1: mm-hmm. right, right. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. And kind of thinking, it was interesting how you said actually becoming a Christian sort of felt like it was a part of you, part of you, your experience of healing in in some way with, mm-hmm. with um, some of these questions. But I wondered if you could kind of, how has, how does racial trauma, either for you personally or for people that you're working with, how does that affect people's view of God and their kind of salvation and being a Christian? Like how does, how do those things, how does faith interact with, with some mm-hmm.
0: of these um, realities? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think that historically for the black community, the church, the black church particularly has been that source of of comfort. That's that place, safe place to go to, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the middle of Jim Crow, the civil rights era, even before that, um, just a, a, a place where your dignity was upheld. Mm-hmm. And there was a sense that God was on your side. And even as I talked about the Operation Exodus program, the f- fact that this is the Black Community Initiative and it was called Operation Exodus, because yeah. there was like this affinity with the Jew Jews right. who were in captivity right. and then God came and, and rescued them. And so there's always been a strong faith um, in, in the Black community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even in the face of, in the, and, and, and it's understandable because in the face of, such brutality Mm -hmm. there has to be a sense of okay there is someone bigger than this who's in control who actually can rescue me redeem heal rectify bring justice yeah
2: Yeah. um yeah and so i mean we see you kind of touched on it too is that we've seen like images and stories of these horrible racist acts and incidences you know we've we experienced George Floyd on the on the television over and over again, and then recently here in Canada we had a um, revealing of hundreds of unmarked graves, um, First Nation people, and it it was been really devastating for people, and it kind of like almost re inflames, I guess, a lot of the anger, the frustration, the hurt, the and so we like I, we need to acknowledge the truth and, and rectify that. My question though, is like, how does seeing these images or hearing these stories over and over again, like how impactful is that?
1: Well, no, I was just thinking kind of linking in with what you were saying about kind of this vicarious trauma. So sort of seeing things over and over again, we absolutely need to, we need to see them. We need to, we need to see that this is wrong and that these need, these things need to be right. But is there a way to sort of, for us to be to, to be continually exposed to these things because that's right and good that there's truth exposed, but then to not sort of be triggering this kind of these, this vicarious trauma again? Didn't, is, is that more
0: what you're meaning, Nick, kind of like how do we do that well? Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that I mean, if you look at the Old Testament and you look at just the experience of, the, of what the Jews experienced and the Lord saying, I want you to remember this, teach these yeah. to right, your children. right. So right. don't deny it. Don't pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah. So I, I think that this is the moment where, you know, whether it's in Canada or in the U S where, yeah, people are getting tired of hearing the same thing over and over again, but you know what, this is truth that has been hidden. Yeah. And yeah. The, the way to, to, if it, if it was like, okay, acknowledge and people like owned it and like yeah. this did happen. And yeah. there was a way to working through justice in that, et cetera. Yeah, wouldn't be having the conversation, yeah. and I yeah. think the response would be very different. Yeah, because then you would yeah. have a fuller picture and a fuller story. Yeah, and it may mm. even be a more of a redemptive one than yeah. what has happened, which is everything has been hidden and under the right. rug, and we yeah. certainly are experiencing that in the U.S. when we're talking about well, who, what stories are okay to share. So yeah. now it's in certain states, pretty illegal to even have like, you know, to talk about the period of enslavement or talk about native american uh genocide um and it's like that is the truth yeah that yeah. is history right and i don't think that anywhere in the bible justifies not acknowledging the truth actually no. to the contrary yeah. yeah Is remember this this is what in the purpose of remembering it isn't just that okay remember it so you can feel pain and feel horrible whatever it's remembering it so you can stop doing what you're doing yeah. or that you right. never do it again yeah right you celebrate God's victories, how He pulled you through. Yeah, that's the purpose of it. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's helpful. I mean, I, I guess my question in asking that wasn't to necessarily say that we shouldn't tell the truth or we shouldn't acknowledge this. I'm, I was just more so thinking like, for for, for the communities in general, like it. Yeah, I guess continues to. I don't. I don't know if it would continue to inflate like the trauma. I guess is what I was saying. I don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think that it does that. I think that because it's bringing it into the light and it's saying, okay, we know that this happened. Yeah. And so to actually have the greater population say, "Wow, yeah, it happened. Yeah, and it was horrible. Yeah. Like there's something about that acknowledgement of somebody else's pain and what they experienced and how horrific it was, Mm -hmm. that's, there's, there's a beginning of healing even in that. And it may be initially traumatic because it's, it's, you know, it comes into the light and I I've, I've worked not just around racial trauma, but with a lot of abuse survivors. Mm -hmm. And often it's the same thing. It's like, things are brought into the light, you know, sexual abuse that happened in the conscious of the family or whatever, it's brought into the light. And then it's, Everybody's devastated and right. it's horrible and horrific yeah. and whatever. and even for the person, it's really difficult, but there's something about not carrying that burden
2: anymore. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, having somebody, whether it is a family member or maybe not or but a counselor, somebody yeah. to say, "Yeah, that happened," and it was right. horrible yeah that that's that's pretty profound. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, you
2: have to acknowledge and, and shed light on the truth for there to be hope and healing and restoration mm-hmm. to come for yeah. sure i I wonder too, can you take us through because maybe some people resonate with this, and this is a very real reality for them, but they've never like understood it or like even taken steps to like talk about it, receive counseling, shed light on it. Can you take us through the process of what it actually feels like to have that racial trauma and what the experience is like well
0: i I mean I think when you, it clearly for different people, the reactions are different. Mm-hmm. As you look at all the different symptoms, you start to see how that manifests in a person's life. I talk about my own journey of, uh, you know, having those early experiences and then going to college and then, you know, feeling at certain points like, you know, imposter syndrome, like I'm not supposed to be here. Or they'll find out about lots because there's that that voice that says you're not supposed to be here, mm-hmm. um, and and so for for me for others it it manifests in ways that sometimes it affects our relationships, mm-hmm. um, it affects our relationships with our within our families, um, and within our community, uh, and and there are ways in which we then you know because we're not openly confronting it and addressing it. Mm-hmm. we We hold it in, and whether that's anger or whether it's grief, and then it tends to spill out in other ways mm-hmm. um and and so some of what you know Dr. King talked about the that a riot is the voice of the unheard, yeah. Mm, yeah. and um yeah, it is, and and mm-hmm. of the unhealed as well mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and part part of that is the the inability to of getting that anger released in other ways, mm-hmm. um, and to have that pain acknowledged. And so, mm-hmm. um, because we're carrying that and we're holding on because we don't know what to do with it. Um, you know, you can't hold on to anger and rage um, without having some, it affecting you can't hold on yeah. to grief and just mm-hmm. in depression without it spiraling down. Right. Um, and so that's, you know, as people who would come and, at counseling, those are some things that they were experiencing. It's just on a day to day basis, it was affecting
2: mm-hmm. their
0: relationships, their ability to kind of navigate things, whether it's work,
2: mm-hmm. uh, whether it's your
0: schooling. Um, and so uh, they needed just to, to take at least have that space where they can start to begin mm-hmm. to unpack mm-hmm. what has happened and to really acknowledge what it what happened and the damage that was done. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes that didn't, we can be in denial about that
1: yeah. and
0: yeah. like, Oh, that wasn't that bad or you mm-hmm. know, it's, I'm going to just laugh it off when in yeah. fact it's very, was very cutting and very painful.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, Thanks. And it's, we, we, whenever we're on the, the podcast here, we're often t- talking to people that are sort of all over the world and in kind of different contexts and sort of where the, the realities are not necessarily the same as they are for us here in Canada or as they are for you guys in the States as well. But you've, you've spoken in different places in France and South Africa. And do you want to, how, how have you seen racial trauma pray itself out either similarly or, or differently in, in different contexts? What, yeah, both the similarities and the
0: differences that you've seen? Right. Well, I, when I lived in Paris, it was like in the nineties. So it's very different. There are right. ways in which I felt um, actually safer in France than I did here. Right. Um, and, um, and I felt that uh, just in encountering people on the streets, even it didn't feel like I was a, necessarily a threat, but what I did witness was that people who were coming from Northern Africa and who were, um, maybe they were Arabic. Or maybe they, but they were certainly targeted. And a lot of what um, we've experienced in America, that was happening with them at that point in time. Um, but that I'm, I'm hoping things have gotten a little bit better. But mm. probably not. <laughs> um just by watching the 2020 and everything yeah that, you know yeah. the eruptions around the world. the world yeah um yeah yeah i mean more my experience in south africa was more recent so that was yeah. 2005, that. 2016 mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. um you know definitely in it mirrors america in a lot of ways yeah in that um you know 1994 was a Nelson Mandela became president. Mm-hmm. We saw the the beginnings of the dismantling of apartheid. Um, I think there's still lots of disparities in South Africa yeah. in terms mm-hmm. of wealth and where people live and education mm-hmm. and all of those levels. Yeah. And so, um, you know, where there have been lots of changes, um, and and I, you know, and there are people who are working hard at really. Mm-hmm you Know that whole rainbow nation thing, but like, yeah, yeah, but it will be real, yeah, yeah. Um, but what I did see was that, um, in some instances, the, the inability to really process um, what happened, even though the TRC happened, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission happened, yeah. where people were able to share their trauma, um, and the perpetrator, in, in many cases, would be there and kind of talk about ultimately like what happened to the, the the person who was deceased or disappeared or was killed. And the, the family didn't quite get enough treatment or enough, uh, like the ability to really process that. Yeah. And so it actually did more harm in some cases. Um, and this is not in all cases, but in some cases it did do harm. And mm. that because there wasn't like ongoing therapy and kind of working. Right. For- that it's you know that literally is vicarious trauma you're hearing firsthand how brutalized and um and so you have you have that piece of it then you have a whole another section where um some of the folk now who are young adults um and yet they grew up at homes with adults who were like in the thick of apartheid Mm. they then began to for some because that anger and around the past as well as the present disparities and the racism that they encounter on a regular basis, there's they're enraged and so mm-hmm. there are the the level of crime can increase. We see we saw that, um, you know, and then you know I, I think that without saying we're going to deal with racial trauma because again it wasn't really a term, <laughs> um, uh, there were communities and churches that were saying okay we need to look at the impact that um and we would we did that my husband and i ran um counseling groups Mm. at the church that we were at Mm. and and that was an eye-opener because Mm -hmm. in many cases people had not stayed they some stories they'd never shared with anyone yeah and um and so that in itself was healing that you know you're not alone in this yeah um we had a diverse team and so that was also healing right people because in some cases they had never shared anything openly to a white person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, yeah, we strove to really have a, a safe, like a team of counselors who really could support people um, yeah. as they work through things.
2: Yeah. I, I wonder with that, you know, you mentioned the, the group counseling at your church uh, addressing racial trauma and in, yeah, helping to bring restoration to communities that have been hurt. Are there other advice you would give to churches to help? To address this?
0: Yeah. I, you know what, I, I feel like many churches, and particularly multi-ethnic churches, are really looking f- for help in yeah. terms of how do how do we do this? How do we do it better? Um, how do we create a space where our Black and Brown brothers and sisters really feel like they are they're they're a central part mm-hmm. of the, the community. And it's not mm-hmm. just about. It it really is centered in in whiteness and everything needs to kind of gravitate towards that. But how do they bring all of who mm-hmm. they are yeah. to mm-hmm. that? And and many are not doing that well, and consequently people are leaving um, mm-hmm. churches. Um, and then some are and are really coming yeah. with humility, like I really don't know what I'm doing, and also yeah. owning their stuff. In the uh, cases where it's like you know, if you're saying you want diversity, you want it to reflect the kingdom which is multi-ethnic yeah um what are you going to do to to facilitate that you can't Mm -hmm. have the same makeup you can't have that you've had you can't have the same worship that you've had yeah Mm -hmm. um you've got to make space for that Mm -hmm. and so the question would be like what what do churches do i I, it's it's an Mm self-examination it's about what are you willing to to lay down in order to have this because it's a war it's a hard work Yeah. yeah it's not an easy one and it's going to mean relinquishing some control, some place yeah. power, some whatever. Yeah. And yeah, ultimately, you know, God is all powerful and has all mm-hmm. authority, et cetera. Mm. Yes. Um, in the context of our churches, though, what is he wanting? What role is it that each of us plays in that? So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, as we look at that revelations vision of heaven, that that's what it's going to be like. So how's that like? How is it like or not like? Right yeah. Now, in yeah. terms of how you're doing church. Yeah. Um, and I don't. there are certain churches that, you know, they're out and wherever and there's not a nary a black or brown person in sight <laughs> as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> um, and I have to say, too, there's been a lot of there's been some conversations about the black church, like, oh, the black church is you know what the black church is a black church because. The Black church was not allowed to be part of the white church. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. so, that reaction of like, well, the Black church is illegitimate. You know what? No, 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 no. Mm. Black church, I don't think that my ancestors would have survived if yeah. the church didn't exist. Totally. Mm. And, and survive in believing that God exists and that God cares about yeah. Yeah. the church.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sheila, can I ask you a really honest question? Yeah. Are you tired of helping white people get this?
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, know why. you know why I'm tired, though? I, I think that I, I, you know what, let me just say this. I am not tired of white people who earnestly want mm. to know, want to learn, want to, to, to they want transformation. They, they, you know, they really do. Yeah. I'm not tired of those people. I am. I am tired. And I have really drawn a line in the sand. I am not interested in using an an, an, an iota of energy for people who do not want to know, don't Mm -hmm. care to know, want just to argue with me and Mm -hmm. and to go down rabbit trails like critical race theory and whatever. I'm not entertaining those. I'm not having Mm -hmm. conversations about it. I'm not. And I I speak all the time and I lay it straight up at the beginning. Do not yeah. talk to me about critical race theory. Yeah. A, you know, is, it's basically a rabbit trail. It is a straw man not doing it yeah. because the reality is people are on the ground or in pain. Right. And so what, yeah. are you, what are you going to do about that? What is yeah. God calling you to do about right. the reality? Don't tell me system racism, systemic racism doesn't exist. <laughs> I know too much. Yeah. I've worked mm. in multiple systems in hospitals, in schools. I'm yeah. part of a community ethics committee for Harvard Medical Schools teaching hospitals. Don't tell me things doesn't it doesn't exist. Yeah. No, I've grown up in the black community. Don't, yeah. don't tell. Me. Yeah. Yes, yeah, totally.
2: You've experienced yeah. it. you yeah. and the research is there.
0: That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. It's not even just take my opinion, no, no. crack open a book, go yeah. online. line, right. search. It's all yeah. there. It's yeah. yeah. And
1: everyone feels it. Like, like, do you know, again, it's not just like not just one person's experience. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm so conscious of that, that I feel like there's lots of leaders that are kind of like like you and like others who are just constantly having to have these conversations and more and more since 2020, right? So everyone's like, oh, 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 right, this is a thing. Oh, gee, we better like we better learn something, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel I'm just
0: like, oh. I'd be I'd be over it. (laughs) Well, but I would love for people to actually learn something. That's the thing is that I think okay, this is not this is not secret knowledge. No, like it's been there, it's been out there. It's you know what's been happening in those communities, and you know it's it's knowledge that's available to anybody. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm not buying it. People are like, well, I didn't know. It's like, you knew you, you didn't want to know that's the thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you
0: didn't right. want to know. And you had, you told yourself a story about why you didn't have to
2: know. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I wonder though, like what would you say to someone who maybe hasn't experienced racial trauma in mm-hmm. but wants to like understand and empathize. And we've kind of touched on it, but with someone who has experienced racial trauma.
0: Um, You know what? I think that you have to go with the, pace of the person because mm-hmm. not everybody is in a space where they're gonna want your help
2: mm-hmm. even though
0: you can want to be helpful mm-hmm. um, yet yeah. if if in fact um, you know we've we're experiencing this on a real you know it's relentless it's an ongoing basis and so you may not be the person right now yeah can be helpful right it may be right now what what I need as a black person as a brown person is, to just have that space where I can then process it without mm. a critique, without yeah. thinking, well, what is he thinking or what mm. is she thinking? Mm-hmm. But just simply, I can be real, understood. I don't have to explain things. Yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. it really is, mm. it's really asking the person, um, how can I help right now, mm-hmm. if, oh, if at all? If at mm-hmm. all, yeah. If at all.
2: Right. And yeah. it may be
0: that they say, well, you know what? I can't talk, but you can just pray for me on your own. Yeah, um, it may be something really practical that they want from you. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's really giving people space, um, you know, checking in with them. Not everybody is experiencing, and I have to say this, even, you know, black and brown folk, we're not a monolith, so not everybody is yeah. experiencing things. And we're seeing that. We're seeing black and, some black and brown people kind of being propped up. Mm. as these are the people who they they give a contrary opinion and they say, well, systemic racism doesn't exist and all that, you know, whatever. Mm. (laughs) But what the reality (laughs) is for those that are in pain, um, the question then becomes as a church community, uh, how do, how do you minister to them, care for them? Well, Mm. and, and I think that people, you know, people know what they need in that moment and, So whether it is that they need an affinity group in your church, Mm -hmm. that's their choice to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's another one. Mm -hmm. Lots of people freak out because it's like, why do they need to be by themselves? What Mm -hmm. is that all about? It's just (laughs) kind of like, okay, you know what, really? (laughs)
1: Yeah, he was like, You guys have been meeting by yourselves for the longest Thank time. You. Thank
0: you. Thank you. You have been meeting. and Nobody's yeah. questioned that. All you at white all. people have been meeting <laughs> by, by yourselves without <laughs> us for a long Same time. Way. Yes,
2: yes.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Sorry, I was, I was, I was, I was Speaking of love, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're we're seeing that here. So, at least in Vancouver as well, with um uh, the, the rise in anti Asian racism here in Vancouver, like a 700% rise in the last year.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: insane. Um, and like our, our Asian, our uh, kind of basically like kind of lots of the second generation kind of Asian Canadians in particular, but and, and there's, and there's happening in their States as well, I think with some of the Asian Americans, but oh, yeah. that, yeah, that sort of, um, yeah, sort of seeing, and that, th- that, that community had not, has not been as has, hasn't said much they would you know they and they're finally saying not like enough like mm. no and so we're sort of that's that's our context here is more sort of mm-hmm. seeing um some of those realities as well as our indigenous mm-hmm. um realities sort of um yeah lots of people trying to, and the yeah affinity groups and people wanting to actually be understood and not be helped by white people just let us just mm-hmm. talk and mm-hmm. kind of feel heard and understood um
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think that one of the things that um, in the book, I, my focus really is on black indigenous, other people call it Asians, mm-hmm. but, you know, the whole, you know, mm-hmm. whole gamut and, and that for some, the whole issue of being a model minority like factors in, particularly mm-hmm. in the Asian community. Right. Well, these are the good minorities. Right. You know? mm-hmm. They keep quiet. They do yeah. their work. They head down. Their eyes, right. and that was kind of like, okay, well, that's kind of how it's, it's, it is. And they're, no, there and there were some that were a lot more activists and mm. but, but a large number yeah. but that was that was the reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you see that with immig- um black immigrants even. Um, right. And so this moment where it's just like uh you know what? Mm-mm. Yeah the, the you know my book lays out like the realities is that mm-hmm. all of these communities have experienced racism in some form or another and have experienced racial trauma and we've seen that heightened with the um, last 18 months yeah, mm-hmm. in yeah. the Asian population um, and elsewhere. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Chilo, I wonder,
1: or Nick, were you going to ask something? No, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, we're, like our time is almost done, but I would want to know what's giving you hope mm. at the moment. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know what? I, it's in Jesus. That's yeah. it. Amen. <laughs> that's it. Great There's nothing else. There's mm-hmm. nothing else. I'm just, yeah really i, I have to keep, yeah. keep reminding myself that you know what god really is still on the throne yeah yeah and that um was too funny earlier today i was like i was talking to my husband and i said you know what it's very interesting to see the level of like fear and anxiety and, like, <gasps> and critical race theory is the worst thing it's just going to destroy christianity and i think seriously like, we were, like, thrown to lions, Colosseum, <laughs> like, really? That's going to do it? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, so, yeah. consequently, I really feel like the enemy is just, like, having a field day. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. You know, so for Christians to be so fearful, um, it's like, did you read the book? Did you jump to the last chapter? Whereas, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. the enemy is like, yeah. you know, yeah. Like, yeah. why why are we scared? right yeah. right why it yeah. makes no sense it yeah. doesn't make yeah. no sense right. right like because if if we're scared then we don't have a god that's big enough mm-hmm. he's not big enough to, to handle mm-hmm. this stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's not yeah so so i'm i have to remind myself of that reality that god yeah. is on the yeah. throne and there are ways in which you know even on small small ways i have to appreciate what God is doing, the transformation, the things that we saw happen in 2020 mm-hmm. that people have been working on for decades. Decades, yeah. Decades. Mm-hmm. Suddenly yeah. it was like, oh my gosh, we got to do this. Yeah. It was like, good. Well, good. Get, we'll get that done. Let's yeah. get that done. Yeah. And now let's get things done more quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um Shouldn't be like 10 years and then there were 20 or 50, 100, 400 yeah. um, until okay. something blows up. Um, mm-hmm. But But I feel like. You know, every day God is doing something, yeah. He's doing something on the ground, very small ways in communities, things that we don't see. It's not in the newspapers. People are going about their business uh, and they're going about transforming their communities. And I feel mm-hmm. like in so many ways uh, it can feel like because we don't see things in the news People can mm-hmm. feel like, well, why is the Black community, like, why do they care about blah, blah, X? It's like, you don't know what the Black community is feeling right. or doing because mm-hmm. you're not paying attention and it's not, you don't see it on the news. So you think mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But the reality is God is moving and he has been moving in Black and brown communities and around the world. God yeah. has mm-hmm. been moving because the increasingly Christendom is Black and brown. That's mm-hmm. just the reality. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the reality. Yeah. So. Um, so God is in, is meeting us, and I just need I just keep reminding myself of that fact. Yeah. And then I ask, what is my what is my piece in this? What, yeah. What is my role? What little piece do you want me to contribute mm-hmm. and help
1: yeah. me? That's that's like a mic drop moment right yeah. at the end there, Sheila. It's beautiful. Thanks, Sheila. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, again, like talking to us again about things Mm -hmm. that you're talking about all the time with people. Mm -hmm. Um, We really, really, really appreciate it, and yeah, are grateful for your time and for for your work over many years and just your life and yeah for what you're doing. So, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Anytime. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.